0: My my
1: health check has been passed, and I'm I'm coming to you fresher than I've ever been.
0: Yes, we we you know got the ZenCaster stuck something up our nose and took a full swab, and our health check auditorily was passed. Hi, I'm Kenny Stevenson.
1: I'm Alex Enriquez.
0: You have made it to fan controlled fandom. <laughs> what is this show? Hey, baby, we are we're in the Cape Space. We I are, thought
1: you were going to say, you have made a mistake.
0: <laughs> uh, well, hell, judgment is yet to be given on that one. We will find out probably during the course of the show. Uh, this is the Cape Space, baby. This is uh, all, if you are, if, if it's content that involves people wearing capes, they wear capes. Superheroes wear capes. People flying jets and spaceships wear capes. And people riding on horsies fighting dragons, they also wear capes, too. The kick space. Bang. And
1: if, if I may, I, I think the very first person you see uh with a line of dialogue in the subject of today's episode is wearing a cape. So it puts paid to our entire Let's, our entire uh thing here.
0: What are we what are we talking about today? We're talking about the new movie Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. We both saw it. We are ready to go, but we gotta go first into quick Bits of nerd news it's called quick hits here's the stinger bang got to have to point at and the sky for those of you who aren't on the zo- on the uh, uh zoom on the Zencaster video which is no one just uh alex and i not only do we point at the sky but alex wearing his shades indoors it's that bright where he is and i'm loving it he's got the absolutely absolutely Tank top, the guns are out. I the, the view that I'm getting, folks, is unbelievable. We're a couple um, of
1: SoCal Beach Boys, and we're coming correct.
0: We are some, some strict Mando Beach Boys coming correct, although I'm still in Palm Springs. I'm still a Beach Boy at heart. Um, so we have a lot of trailers that dropped this week, which I want to talk, but I want to give – we're going to talk probably about Mandalorian next week, I think. And so I don't want to talk too much about the content of the episode. Quick spoiler warning if you have not watched The Mandalorian. All right. If you haven't watched The Mandalorian, fast forward, I'm going to say maybe five minutes. I'm going to give us five minutes to talk about what is arguably the most, I don't even know what to label this as, <laughs> cameo in Star Wars that I can think of in the w- last it was... episode of Mandalorian
1: it was fancon the mandalorian episode it was so and as as a side note here i've learned to avoid reddit uh on the mornings of oh. the mandalorian episode well, release because even the most like innocuous question is an indicator of something like did you see that big cameo i don't i don't want anything so the morning i i, I woke up uh, I went, oh, you know what? Instagram will be safe. And what did I catch 28 minutes after he posted it? Jack Don't Black's,
0: Black's that, go ahead.
1: post of himself and the other one of the other Person. big cameos in so, the episode, uh, just sp- like totally blowing that big reveal for me, which I, I really would have loved in this. I mean, you know, what? this is this is part of the course room because the same thing happened with Grogu. Uh, somebody posted it on Reddit and I saw it like before I watched the episode and it blew my mind. But James anyway,
0: so I set a timer. I do. All I, I want us to maintain five minutes on this uh, just because I want to give some context on my end. I got very early yesterday morning. I got a message from a coworker just saying, do not go on Twitter today. Um, otherwise, Mandalorian is going to get spoiled for you. And I was like, OK, I got it. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, shit, Thrawn. We got Thrawn, we got um, Sabine or Ahsoka or Luke or I don't know, digital Han Solo. I don't know. In my mind, that I'm thinking only Star Wars. I am thinking specifically in Star Wars space. So like other there's other moments in the show, like there's an opening bit and we don't know who's in a chair. We see it and I'm like, oh, dude, it's a British accent. Oh my God, here comes Thrawn. Yeah. Like I just was, and then cut to 10 minutes in, we are in a room with a prince and a princess, quote unquote, who is Jack Black and Lizzo. And I just about lost my mind. I was like, holy shit, I don't know what to fucking do with this. Pardon my French. <laughs> and then Grogu physically leaps into Lizzo's arms. And I'm just like, I wonder what, what, I just, I was, I have not fully recovered from the, what happened yesterday.
1: The only thing that could have surpassed this, and I I have to believe that footage lay on a cutting room floor somewhere, the only thing that could have surpassed what we got is if Lizzo had had played some kind of goddamn space flute, Flute. pardon my French. Oh my god,
0: that's what we Uh, needed. We needed like like a space flute, for
1: sure. I'm sure they did it, and in the edit they were like, this is, we've gone too far. This is like, this is a victory lap that we don't need to take.
0: Yeah, I, I don't even, like, again, I just, I don't want to, like, we can, like, we can talk more about it next week when we talk about episodes uh, six and seven as we get, and we'll leave, you know, the the, old, the finale for its own, you know, give it room to, to percolate. I, I just, like, it was, I don't still quite know how I feel about it. I know that, like, a part of me loves it, but then the, like, Star Wars person is like, why are we doing this? But at the same time, I'm like, whatever, it's Lizzo. I mean, it's Lizzo. Lizzo's... Absolutely fantastic, wonderful. I, I love her. And Jack Black is just like, has his full COVID beard that he's been growing since lockdown. And it's just like, you know, we can do with that beard. We can like comb it out and curl your mustache and blow dry your hair like aggressively. I, it was just, un, it was so jarring and I don't know how I feel about it. I'll take a full week to recover, I think.
1: I had a nuts and bolts sort of thought in the moment about wait a minute we're seeing jack black here on mandalorian which there were news stories in the last several days that indicate that mandalorian is the most anticipated most wanted uh tv show going right now that he's on that show the same week his mario brothers movie comes out and i'm i'm seeing some kind of background deal where they're like let's you know jack black they want jack black for a role on mandalorian we're going to make that work somewhere buried in the paperwork is the idea that the episode has to be a certain number it has to be released a certain week and nobody knows why until oh it's going to coincide we're going to double dip on jack black in the same week with these giant properties
0: Yep. anticipation, set
1: make, buzz, everything. Set,
0: set to make $125 million. My daughter saw it yesterday for her birthday and enjoyed it. So here we go. Um, all right, let's talk trailers. We got three really big trailers in the fandom space dropping this week. I think the biggest one has to be Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This, of course, the sequel to the Academy Award-winning film, into the Spider Verse, arguably one of the greatest pieces of comic book fandom film content that that exists. I mean, you could make that argument for sure. Uh, reactions to the trailer?
1: I'm so looking forward to this movie. It looks like in every single way they've they've really upped everything. Um, oh my pushing, gosh, like, I mean, cr- cr- you see an indication. a a literal indication of that with their full extension of the spider-man pointing at spider-man meme recreation, you know, with thousands of spider people. Um, the art style looks amped up. The implications are, are amped up. Um, I'm really looking forward to this and I still, we still don't know what's happening in this movie. Really? There's some broad uh, swipes, but oh yeah. Um, i i am just and then I was reminded actually, then I got a little bummed, I was reminded that there is another this is the first of two movies that are coming, and yes it it got me thinking, oh jeez, we're gonna be on some big cliffhanger and have to wait again for more, but
0: Che' crow they uh, yeah. crow no, I think it, i I agree with you, I think it's it's equal parts, like fully interesting and awesome to look at, yeah, the spider man meme like you know, done a hundred times is fantastic. And there's all, we see every possible, you know, there's Spider-Woman, there's Spider-Punk, there's Scarlet Spider, who is a, spy, a Spider-Man that I really love. Like, there's just like, everyone's in it except Nick Cage, which is staggering. I hope they have some sort of indication as to why Spider-Noir is not in this movie. But... um,
1: And and Ben I, Riley, the Spider-Clone, is.
0: Every, yeah, there's so many. But yet at the same time, we also know nothing like we we know a little bit of like you know he's struggling there's going to be some like life struggle which is kind of a typical for like a second spider-man movie is like balancing spider-man and school and home life like that's something that every spider-man kind of has to go through which is kind of what feels like this movie may be about but we don't know there's just a there's just a place full of spider-man and then there's the guy who is a you know the oscar isaac's which i will say it's weird <laughs> the peter pan the peter pans Good night, everybody. The Peter Parkers, (laughs) who uh, are voiced by specific actors, like strangely kind of look like them. Like the uh, Spider-Man 99. What is he? Spider-Man
1: 2099.
0: 2099. Thank you. That's voiced by Oscar Isaacs. Kind of looks like him.
1: (laughs) A little bit. Yes, I agree.
0: And and the Peter Parker, Peter B. Parker voiced by... um, uh, Jake Johnson, who is just one of my favorite actors. I think he's so freaking funny.
1: He's tremendous. Um,
0: he kind of looks like him, too. And it's like, it's interesting. I, I, Yeah, I just, the excitement level for this cannot be higher. I just what a world to get to go back to, uh, like, l- quite literally, it is such a visual, like, specificity that even when, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer comes out, that looks really great. It's hard not to think, like, well, oh, yeah, that's just you guys are just doing the Spider Verse animation on this one.
1: Absolutely, I, I think that they they've really paved the way for for this kind of animation. That it's not it's not the Pixar style. It's not the the Illumination style. It can be really. I mean, just the way they've recreated those like what are they um, the Ben something dots that sort of how how comic books are reprinted. The color is not that kind of dot. Yes. Um. Pattern. I love how that looks. It, the way that it looked, it has dimension and also flatness to. I. I. I don't know. The. The visual sense brought to bear on these things are, are truly incredible.
0: Yeah. It's. It's. It's so interesting that the movie and the movies embrace like truly like the comic experience. Like it's almost like in panels at points and stills and pows and bangs with the hits and it's like that's really, it's really great. Really, I'm, really, cur- really
1: I'm, I'm curious if they will, in acknowledging that there's like an, an infinity multiverse of Spider-Men, if they will establish like an explicit link to the live action universes that they, they the will trailer. like. They,
0: they did that in the trailer.
1: They, but they referred to a different Earth number.
0: That's true. They did say Doctor Strange and that Goofy Kid on Earth, like 1999, which we've already been established as Earth 616, which is like the in Marvel Comics canon, that is the Earth where all the main heroes live. But I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see the movie to find out.
1: We'll have to, and we'll watch it holding hands together.
0: We will, and up, upraised like thumb the louise going over the cliffs the entire time until our we're sweating because we can't keep our arms up anymore. Our uh, feet so have, in the
1: air, our, our tongues wagging. Anyway, sorry. Our,
0: our hearts, our hearts in our throats. Um, another trailer we got this week, it is uh, the next movie in the DCU, which is just cranking out duds. <laughs> 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 All the stuff that they were holding back on with before... Uh, gun and saffron took over they have they are it has been black Blech adam and shazam fury of wind i guess is what the god my gosh I mean, we didn't give you a chance to talk about it, it
1: i haven't seen it yet. i feel I, I know, I, i'm that. so
0: it'll be on hbo max in like two weeks just watch it there it is it is it's like it's like they went into a room and they were like hey what's everything that worked from the first one we don't need to do that you know what we do need to do blow up some more buildings and that's what they did that every choice every turn they were like oh we could just make this smaller and focus on focus on the family uh no we're not anyway we got the next entry into the non-gun dcu which is blue beetle now i have to admit i don't know much comic canon on Blue Beetle. So I don't know what this is supposed to look like. I watched this trailer a few times because the first time I watched it, I was like, well, this just seems really silly. <laughs> it seems really silly. But then, then I watched it a couple times and I was like, I kind of get what they're going for in terms of like, it has a real, um, like truly like kind of Miami feel, like bad boys, like really diving into that kind of... Right um uh miami latinx feel which i'm very much here for but at the same time it also kind of feels like everything else like it kind of feels like iron man because he kind of looks like iron man and it's through the display like iron man it kind of looks like mighty Morphin power rangers at times because he takes his big giant sword and does this kind of like karate move that makes you think like i've got a sword like, oh, no, they're coming over the mountain, like, you know, Mighty from Power Rangers. And then it's also the kid from Cobra Kai, the actor, which is a show that I watch that is a show that is wonderfully either like every actor is either all in and doesn't get that it's a massive joke or they're all in and they, they get it. And he's, I think, one of the ones who kind of gets it. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little perplexed. You were very hyped on this. as was my uh, was my take.
1: Absolutely. I think a, a Latinx superhero, uh, that young Latinx superheroes, super cool. Uh, visually, I thought like the pops of color and like you said, that sort of Miami vibe, but also in a comic book world and how you can sort of extend reality with that. I absolutely thought that was that was really from what I saw, really you know eye grabbing. Um, I am familiar with the Blue Beetle character. It, it, just briefly, Blue Beetle is a character, uh, uh, you know, amongst whom uh, The Question, Peacemaker, um, Captain Adam, these are all characters who were part of a separate company called Charlton Comics. And the Blue Beetle, actually, Jaime Reyes is the third Blue Beetle, the first being an archaeologist named Dan Garrett, who gains some. Sp- he he it starts out as a unpowered. Hero later gains certain powers through the use of this scarab. Um, through the
0: moon, through the moon knight. He becomes the moon
1: knight. He becomes the moon knight, right. <laughs> and there's a terrible legal battle. Uh, but um, <laughs> the second is, and the most famous to me is Ted Cord, who is a a more Batman tech type figure. He has the Scarab gains, no powers through it. Um, Once they're purchased by DC, he's integrated into the mainline DC universe and becomes part of the more comedy oriented early to mid nineties justice league international written by David Giffen, uh, where he and booster gold are like this huge comedic team. His character dies in infinite crisis, I think. And the, the Scarab passes down to Jaime Reyes and it turns out to be this, Green Lantern esque sort of super weapon that was made by these aliens to help protect the galaxy, and they actually, in canonically at least early on, they uh, are the enemies of the Green Lanterns. Whenever the Scarab is around a Green Lantern, it it defenses up and engages weapons.
0: Oh, that's fun! I mean, I I, I agree with you. I'm I'm very much here for a Latinx superhero. It is just something that um we haven't had and i'm it's it's there's the whole thing of like somebody has to be the first and you don't want to be labeled as the first but someone's got to be the first so we got to break that wall and get that stuff moving and i you know i'll definitely go see it i just with dc's uh output lately has been underwhelming at its absolute best
1: I, I'm excited for the the one lone connection – well, two connections they made back to the broader DC universe. Uh, the first being the reveal of those two older Blue Beetle costumes.
0: It's okay. Let those dogs – let those dog eat. those dogs eat. I know where you're going with the second one. I know there's, there's – there's,
1: there's <laughs> Batman is a fascist.
0: <laughs> Batman is a fascist by George Lopez. Is George Lopez in – like a full beard and like a mullet, it's a very interesting look for one George Lopez. But yeah, to then have him say Batman is a fascist—that was uh, that was fun. That was a fun little thing that I'm here for.
1: Sorry, um, I need a second, man. I'm having a moment here. Sorry.
0: Everything's going on. I'm here for it. Woo! Crisis averted.
1: I know. I like. There's there's about a gallon and a half of. Steaming hot coffee that's sloshing around within the innards of my laptop, but I think we're gonna make it. Um, I, I, I was that. saying, just put it
0: in rice, just put it in rice. Go ahead, continue. I'm just
1: put the, put the whole thing in rice, put me in rice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I the, the blue beetle costume showing up, the classic like Dan Garrett and uh Ted court I hope I think it's Dan Garrett, I'm not sure. Um, but seeing those costumes at least on mannequins, and then and then yeah, uh, calling Batman a fascist. Is a it, like I think that that there's a lot of people that are out there like nerds and the kind of people we make fun of that are that are saying they're refusing to let that mean more about George Lopez's character than it does about Batman. That's not a comment. It is a comment on Batman, and it isn't inaccurate. But it's it, it's also um, you know it says more about who George Lopez's character is. I think you get a good indication of what that character's role is going to be in things.
0: Yep a cab anyway so that was <laughs> that's the blue beetle Bab, all batman a- bab, all batmans are bad anyway uh we have one more trailer that came out big in the fandom space this of course for the next mcu property mc marvel has been very quiet lately with their tv stuff she hulk was the last tv show that we got and we haven't got had a tv show since so it's been all, it'll be on by the time this comes out, it'll be over six months since we've had a piece of uh, TV MCU content. But the next thing we are getting is Secret Invasion, which for those who are unfamiliar with the run of this in the comics, what this is, Secret Invasion posits that there have been hidden scrolls uh, in and among the, the ranks of Earth-616. And in the comics version, there's all kinds of like... Uh, famous characters who were like actually scrolls the whole time. So that's the kind of like thing that'll be hovering over this show. But what we were given seems more like a kind of political intrigue globe traveling like born ish kind of thing and and I'm let, let's go. Sure, I'm here for it. Let's go.
1: I agree and I think the same the Marvel has done this a time or two, using sort of pre-existing IP and names and concepts, and adapting them to the scale of what we have. Because when Secret Invasion was was in the comic books, it was enormous. The implications were yes. crazy. A, a huge number of mainline characters revealed to have been scrolls for a long time, and we we don't have the same kind of universe in the mcu as we do in the comic books so it has to adapt to it, it'll be the same kind of idea that there have been scrolls the whole time but um i'm excited to follow my my friend uh uh jim fury i almost called him nick fury
0: around <laughs> jim fury Hello. is his brother <laughs> i'm nicholas uh fury's brother james you can call me jim jim call fury. me jim, jimbo sometimes yeah if we're friends but we're not friends so don't call me Jimbo <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. I love anytime we're hanging out with Sam Jack, who at some point in this trailer gets a working eye there. He has two eyes at some point, which I don't know if that's just cause he's like, thinks that if I don't wear an eye patch, I won't be seen. If I've got like a no eye patch and a beard, that can't be Nick Fury. Um, and the only other real, like, uh, kind of MCU characters we see are uh, Kobe Smolders, agent, again, top-notch. My brain is working at full capacity. Her character name is... Agent Cheryl agent Swoops. Th- agent... <laughs> it is by no means <laughs> Agent Cheryl Swoops. <laughs> Why can't... Oh, Maria Hill. There we go. Agent Hill. We got there. Um, we only see her, and we see uh, Don Cheadle. Good old Roadie, but that's it. We don't see any other kind of, oh and Martin Freeman. So we've seen we see three other people who are kind of outside of this property. Otherwise, what we get is Olivia Coleman. I mean, this this is like a massive flex by Marvel to be like, We took one of the greatest living actors and put her in this show for yes. for Disney Plus. She's our T V star now. I, I I would hope
1: I hope that it indicates more big screen time for her as well. Oh, I would love it. I don't
0: we don't know we don't know what her character is. She says at one point, old friend. So there's clearly something there. And I would love to see her in everything because she's an absolutely wonderful performer, as is Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark is in this thing. Uh, who is now, she is really hitting the kind of Cape Space trifecta at this point because she got a cape on. She's in the Game of Thrones. She's in that massive property. She's in the Star Wars as Kira, and she's now in the Marvels. So she just like, you know, she is a Cape Space. What is it? She's got a hat trick. She's got the Cape Space hat trick at this point.
1: And the cherry on top is getting to play Sarah Connor. Not the Cape Space per se, but science fiction. Nobody wears capes in there yeah,
0: sideways, but what didn't we put Terminator in? was Terminator one of our turkeys? I think it was. We oh yeah,
1: it was. It was. Cause uh, yeah. we
0: need to stop. We need to stop trying to make that happen. Um,
1: Just keep reissuing yeah, I, clearer and clearer reprints of the original two. That's it.
0: Yes. Um, so that's like, that's the trailer time. We got th- these, all these things will be covered on our show for sure. A uh, couple little pieces of nerd news here. Uh, Donald Glover was interviewed this week saying, hold on, I have the full quote. He was talking about Lando while speaking with GQ. Even And there was an announced, a couple years ago when they announced all these Star Wars shows, they did announce a Lando TV show, which was set to be created by the man behind the Dear White People uh, TV show and the movie. Uh, and that was supposed to be happening. We've heard nothing about it since. But then Donald Glover was interviewed by GQ, and he said, I would love to play Lando again. It's a fun time to be him. And he did say that they've been talking about it, and that's as much as he can say without Kathleen Kennedy hunting me down. So potential f- thoughts on, on uh, Donald Glover coming back and playing Lando at some point.
1: Oh, I hate it! I hope he doesn't get too. I <laughs> Ooh, him and Lando. I I uh, I'm such a big fan of him, his take, the character. I think there's, it's another one of those characters where there is a, a whole fun universe to explore with them. A very rich history backstory. Like the first time you see him. He's got history with, with Lando. How did he become an, an administrator? He's a pirate. Goes from bad guy to good guy. I think there's so He's much- He's wonderful the
0: Rebels, too. They, what they oh, did with and him in Rebels is wonderful.
1: What What somebody like Donald Glover could continue to do with that character when allowed the space to just kind of cook with it and stuff, I, I, I'm, I think that could be potentially one of the better series we get out of this property in the coming future if they can get their yeah. acts together.
0: Agreed, agreed, agreed. I loved his take. I love him as a performer. I feel like the way you get this done is you just let him write it and produce it with his brother. And that's work and get Hero Mirai to come over and direct it. We don't need to have Justin Simeon. Justin Simeon is a wonderful – just have Justin Simeon be the EP on it and have Hero Mariah come over, who if you don't know who Hero Mirai is, he directed pretty much every wonderful – I mean, almost all the episodes of Atlanta, but the really great ones. He directed all the great episodes of Master of None. He directed the Barry episode in which Barry is kind of like hunted down by like a – one of his one of his hits is like a superhuman little girl that kind of hunts him down, which is one of the best episodes of that. He's just I mean, that's how you get it done. Just say like, what here's a blank check. I want you to give here's one for Hero Mirai. here's one for your brother, here's one for you. What do you want to do? And then I, that's I, fine.
1: As long as we're on this path, I think that one episode should focus solely on a side character played by Cat Williams who has an unruly rancor in a bathtub or something. I think that's sure. be a really cool direction to take.
0: Let's effing go. Uh, one more piece of news and then one little tiny piece of news. Um, James Gunn, as he's starting to do press for Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm getting real hype for this movie, Guardians Volume 3. Um, which is coming out in like mere weeks. I'm very hyped for it. Um, But he's talking about his next movie, which is Superman Legacy. He did come out as he has to do with all things. He had to come out and explain that just because he's directing a Superman movie doesn't mean it's going to have the same vibe as a Guardians movie. And my reaction to that is, duh. Absolutely.
1: I, I, and I think he's the kind of guy that who, this is the next step, right? I think that Guardians had to prove itself that it wasn't going to be a James Gunn movie, which was known at that point as like super human and slither. What was no, the, the rain? S- Willis person? Super,
0: super with Ray, which is a, Oh my God. Great movie. And then slither also a great movie. Don't forget Scooby-Doo, which he wrote and Scooby-Doo. But uh, so he, those are, that, that's
1: his product to that point. And then they say, we're giving him guardians of the galaxy. And you go, great. He's going to turn in one of these, uh, one of these buckets of chum. And, uh, and he doesn't. And he continues to kind of shift his style and, and, and he's a filmmaker. It's art. It's what you're supposed to be able to do yeah. is to do all this different stuff.
0: And people are just, uh, you know, whatever. We say this every time we bring up anything DC related when it comes to the fans. Is that like, just, you need to get outside, man. Get some air, touch some grass, touch go on some hikes. Grass. I'm here in Palm Springs. If you're out here in Palm Springs, there are you are literally at all times like less than five minutes away from an absolutely incredible hike. The weather is great right now. Go for a hike, man. It's great. Go look at Um, one of those big propellers off the 10. Speaking of real, real quick pieces of nerd garbage news, Joker 2 is wrapped. So there we go. That's done. Cool. Good night. We said it. Good night. All right. So this is – we are on the Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment Network. Uh, This is our one piece of sports news. Alex, take us to the paddock as we get some Formula One news, I'm assuming. Not only back to the paddock, but back in time
1: as F1 legend Felipe Massa has indicated he plans to pursue an appeal to the outcome of the 2008 World Drivers Championship in which Nelson Piquet Jr. intentionally crashed in order to give eventual champion and teammate Fernando Alonso an unfair advantage. This, after former F1 CEO Bernie Ecclestone revealed in a new interview that he knew of the cheat and had time to intercede and ensure the title was properly awarded to Massa, but refrained in order to save the sport from controversy. Experts are unclear on whether the International Court of Appeals for Sport will have the power to reverse the outcome of the WDC and award that 15-year-old trophy to Massa. Kenny, back to you.
0: Wow. I love that he took a full 15 years before anything happened. Well done. 2008. Um, it's a fast, slow sport. This is very true. It's 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 a sport that lives 200 miles an hour, but also 15 years at a time. Yep. Uh, my sports <laughs> news, the Lakers lost to the Clippers. I don't even want to go there. We're just cutting. We're flying across the pond. To the championship of the British Basketball League. I have briefly talked about the London Lions before on this podcast. The London Lions, the class of the British Basketball League, took their championship being 10 points clear of the second place team. But it only took a victory over the bottom feeders, the Surrey Scorchers, in a game in which they didn't even play their top player, former NBA player Sam Decker from the University of Wisconsin. And uh, they have their second trophy this year. They have also won the BBL trophy. And uh, they're still in competition for the Euro Cup after a win over Paris. So big shout-outs to the London Lions, your 2022-23 season British Basketball League champions. Bang. There we go, Alex. I mean, you've been killing it somewhat with these uh, amazing, weird people who sponsor our show, including Rick Rubin's Workout Place last week. Yeah. (laughs) Who is, who, what incredible uh, sponsor do you have for us this week?
1: Well, it's actually another Rick. Uh, This time it's Rick Caruso by way of The Grove. (laughs) Uh, It's The Grove where Rick Caruso will always be mayor. Uh, they want to let uh, – they 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 got in touch with me. They just kind of want to reach out and let people new, know about the new and improved uh, experiences, stores, and attractions that the, the Grove has to offer. And the first one is uh, it's the Los Angeles Wall of Angel Wings. You can take that picture. You know the one, an uninterrupted 30-yard wall with over 100 Angel Wings paintings. So that's, that's brand new opening at the Grove. It's a 30-yard wall of angel wings (laughs) that you can pose in front of for your Instagram picture. Come to the Grove.
0: That sounds absolutely horrific. Uncle Ricky says, come on by. Uncle Ricky Caruso, everyone's favorite billionaire who doesn't give a flying F about you. Let's get to our main topic, a movie that we both saw, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Alex, before we get into this... Just give me, let's just go right away. First reactions. What'd you think of this movie?
1: Loved it. Had so much fun. Can't wait for more. Give it to me now.
0: Yes. What an absolutely fun, fun time at the movies. And I will say straight up right now, obviously, spoiler, if you haven't seen this, if for whatever reason you want to go see it and have it are vacillating, if you're the kind of person that's like, I don't like this kind of fantasy stuff, go. It is such a fun Time at the movies with great characters, with great actors playing those characters, with wonderful chemistry, but also like legitimately funny bits, like like not done like thrown in, is like, oh, just what a what a wonderfully fun time at the movies. This would be this was yeah. a, just a great time at the movies. It was fantastic.
1: They really nailed it, uh, top to bottom. I think T
0: the, to B, baby T, T, to, T B. to B
1: T to B for the BBL uh, the. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> it's like by the way, you said that, and I was like, big beautiful ladies, they want to trophy. Oh, beautiful no, no. ladies, British, British the basketball. League. The British I, I think there's so many things you have to get right for this to work the way that it does, and they just they just nail it. The the tone, the performances, the effects, the the world that it exists in, and its relationship to it, uh, its relationship to the experience that people have with the property. And I'm talking about people who play it and also people who look at the outside and go like, Oh, it's the nerd thing, the dungeons, the dungeons and dragons. Uh, I I think they just absolutely wail on it. And like, yeah, I know it's an adaptation of IP, but who gives a shit? I had fun. Pardon my French.
0: There we go. Um, That kind of plays into like my first question, which I wrote on the doc here is that, you know, what was your, what is your personal relationship? Take a step back to Dungeons and Dragons, the game growing up. Is this a game that you played? Is this a thing were you a dungeon master? Were you leading games? Like what what is your relationship to it?
1: Well, it, it's not a lot of people know this, but I actually I, I the first time I ever played it, I won Dungeons and Dragons. So, you the know the whole thing? Yeah, the whole thing. I won it. Uh One and d- one and done. <laughs> I I I <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is something I always wanted to play my whole life and never was around enough people that wanted to also play it to get it going and then a couple of people at work maybe like 7 years ago now got a little mini campaign going and it was it it fired up my brain like nothing ever has before. It was so much fun. I totally understood not only what the game was, but the appeal. Um, and and then I that fell apart, and I I haven't been able to get back into a campaign since. Hint hint. Uh, I was gonna uh, say
0: we need to we need to definitely start playing.
1: Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons.
0: A thousand percent. Let's fuck. freaking air it on Twitch. Let's go. We'll just play it live, and we'll, let's just do it.
1: But I I, I also. I kind of existed in a world that was being influenced constantly. My interests were being constantly influenced by the offering of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the, the fantasy books I read, the other fantasy properties, video games, whatever, Magic the Gathering, I feel like has very strong spiritual connections to the world and lore of Dungeons and Dragons, that feel. Um, and Magic the Gathering, you can play by yourself. So there you go. Uh, you You know what? If you try hard enough, you can play with yourself with anything <laughs> uh but
0: uh, so uh, that was like that was like we're playing volleyball and i just gave you just this just, just lobbing it up for you to just spike it really hard like a rooney uh like a rooney
1: yeah I, I and so i think that this this really encapsulated what i like about as as a really minimal delver what i like about the property what i like about the thing of
0: it yeah, I. It's weird. I kind of have a similar experience to what you were saying. When I was a kid, it was always something that sounded kind of cool, like oh, Dungeons and Dragons. I'm, I'm reading a bunch of fantasy now. I'm reading all of the Lloyd Alexander books, which has to do with Dungeons and Dragons and the Black Cauldron and the, and the all the stuff. And I'm into it. And I just never had enough. It was always like like a little bit too old for me. And I don't think my parents would buy it. Cause I think there was probably some weird, like things that my mom thought it was the devil or something. So, um, and then by the time I got older, there was nobody who wanted to play it. And then at that point I was like into the realm of like, well, this is for dorks. And I was living that life. And then later in life, tried to get into a couple of people, tried to get me to play it. And I told them I didn't want to play it. And then I said, I would and It never really happened. So I've never really fully played a full game of Dungeons and Dragons, which I feel like I would, we need to do now immediately. But so I don't have a lot of like, I don't know how this is like what this is supposed to go. My understanding is that a lot of people said that this movie kind of follows what a, what like a campaign is like. When you're playing D and D, like oh, you have to go here to get this thing, and then you use that thing to go fight this other thing to get this staff to go back to the larger campaign. Is that am I correct in that assessment? I was in a really little baby
1: campaign, but I I also listened to some podcasts. Uh, the The Adventure Zone is a is a Dungeons and Dragons a role playing game play podcast, and it felt to me like those campaigns, the Dungeons and Dragons uh, style campaigns they played play out I, I also I mean to me there was something about it that almost felt like oh could these could these two writers have sat there and gone let's play a campaign let's come up with characters and play a campaign and just and and let the random number generator
0: nature of the game dictate where the plot goes. That would be kind of incredible. The thing, did you see that, so it's John Francis Daly and his writing partner that I'm just not going to even acknowledge because I don't want to, but John Francis Daly, they uh, made Game Night, which is another great movie if you have not seen Game Night. But John Francis Daly, if you don't know who he is, he is one of the geeks from Freaks and Geeks. Well, Freaks, I guess. I don't know where he would fall. Freaks, I think. He's one of the freaks from Freaks and Geeks. And they posted a video on Instagram and it was him and Sam Levine and Martin Starr. And they had a D&D campaign going as a part of the show. And then they did this whole thing where they were like, okay, and we did it. We finished the campaign. I'm like, oh, it's, it's 23 years later. What have we been doing since? <laughs> since <laughs> like, oh, we're all grown up. And they're like, I don't know, speak for you. You look exactly the same. Like, oh, I do. So anyway, but like there, so he has some... John Francis Daly has some kind of affinity to the larger game. And so I do like, to me, like it, my understanding of what I know about Dungeons and & Dragons and what it is like and how to play it, it did feel very much like a campaign. We have the barbarian, we have the bard, we have a, a sorcerer, we have like a shapeshifter druid and we have a guy from Bridgerton, Rene jean Reggae jean Jean-Page is just like bringing everything And, and then they just go like to me it hits all the things of the game but it also hits all of the points of fantasy that we in terms of like that piece of it which is like quests we're going on quests we have things that we have to do we have to go there are castles there are dragons There are done it hits every beat there's like an underground like lava place like that's just like everything that you expect but then they take all of that and wrap it around with just wildly fun characters and funny bits just over and over again like i would say that this movie has a joke success rate of like 80%, Eighty percent, like high eighties, at least.
1: Absolutely, it to me, and and we we brought them up, where we brought their work up before, and I meant to connect it then. Uh, Lord and Miller, who you know, direct writers, directors of the Spider Verse films, Twenty One Jump Street, 20, 22 Jump Street. I could yes. list more of their movies that just pave the way for this movie. It is a Lord and Miller style film where all of that stuff works the look the feel the the grounded into the world of it and then also the joke success rate how funny it is chris pine is legitimately hilarious in this movie we won't get into the performances just now but crushes the, the script is super funny and everybody delivers when they need to deliver with the humor and I, I once again, I just have to like hand it to Lord Miller for kind of creating that space for it. And you're right. The joke success rate is insane. I mean, again, I saw this by myself and I, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world to laugh at something funny when you're by yourself in a movie theater, un- unless it turns out you're watching Dungeons and Dragons, because oh, I was I was thigh to thigh with somebody else who was there by themselves. And we were both just having <laughs> a good time laughing.
0: And there was nobody else in the theater. Two people. <laughs> Just next to each other. That's hap- Has that ever happened to you? That's happened to me once or twice where like I've been in a movie theater by myself and there's tons of empty space and a person comes and sits like very close to you and goes like, hey. And I'm like, look, bro, I don't come to a movie by myself to meet people, okay? Yeah. I'm, this isn't I'm, a social occasion. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to watch a movie and then leave when it's over. That's it. Thank you. I, I forgot that I wasn't
1: seeing it in the big lounge chair theater. So I saw that there were people kind of on either side. Or so, like and nearby and i didn't care but then i saw it in a like, regular theater now there were three seats three empty seats to the right of me and there were a bunch of empty seats to the left of her but we were still right there
0: <laughs> thigh to thigh
1: not i would not, have, not turning our heads
0: <laughs> i would have moved uh anyway the I, we've already kind of touched a lot of these questions that i wrote we're just answering just talking about how much we've thought this movie was great. Uh, one thing I did think it also did a really great job, not just with its tone. Its tone is like so specific to this. It did a great job of not just making it like funny quips and bits, but there was like interesting editing and like storytelling tropes and things like that, that made it different than we've like when applied to this. But sometimes the thing I thought it also did well was like, sometimes when you do this kind of like modern kind of style choices on something that is clearly set in the past or fantasy past is that it doesn't it always feels a little forced this still for whatever reason keeps it all within the boundaries that we're operating in and so it all works like someone doesn't turn to the camera and go like or someone there isn't a moment where someone's like oh there's like music playing and you hear like oh that slaps or that's a banger it's not like that level but it's a a level of self-awareness that is so on point that it works
1: it's not it's not contemporary language or jargon but more a contemporary rhythm and pattern of speech or reference point for speech like an an acknowledgement of irony that these properties tend not to have and i also thought too it sort of reflects how one might play their character alternating between turns where you are very bardic or whatever and then times you're like anybody else want to chime in do you want to you know give give a little more contemporary sort of approach like table
0: talk ish almost i think they call it yeah that's i love that point that's kind of something that didn't really work with like willow which is like you know anytime there was these moments where somebody would talk like typically people talk in in these sorts of properties and then they would try to talk like oh whatever dude and it'd be like that doesn't, it was too jarring. Whereas this one, it was so consistent throughout like a character, like again, this, we can just kind of start talking about the performances, I guess, but like the way that every character had their way of speaking and that's how they spoke the whole time. Like, you know what I mean? Everyone's voice was specific and they stayed in that voice throughout. And that's what really kind of balances Makes this thing great, which is this fully really fun ensemble piece led by Chris Pine, who just absolutely like crushes this movie. Like this is like, I don't know if they wrote it for him or when they got him like made changes to it, but it is just operating at his like finding what he can do the best and just let him go to work and he just crushes it.
1: Christopher Georgia Pine does a really neat thing in this movie, where I think it's easy for a sort of self-aware or snarky character to deliver all the same dialogue with a spirit with it with a tone that almost makes it that you, the audience member, are somehow the victim of the joke because, you, uh, but he's always he it's always centered on him and he knows it and and that's a really wild tonal thing to balance in your performance and he absolutely does it um, he he we've talked before about him and i i've said he's like the non-toxic alec baldwin in his in his career trajectory that positions him initially as handsome face leading man guy but clearly he also can do i mean straight up big comedy i mean horrible bosses that grotesquerie he can he can put himself through and then also something like this where he is he's all of it dashing daring he's he's our our han solo kind of funny scoundrel guy who's standing on the outside of it with us
0: yeah it's he does such a good job of playing this this character who is equally like reluctant hero where there's all there's that great scene of he where michelle rodriguez is taking out everyone and he's just like straight up avoiding a fight but it's not he's not this guy who's a coward he's not a cowardly person he just knows when and where to pick his spots i love that they kind of said that he's a character as a harper we kind of know where to be and when to when to act and when to react and like that's like that was something interesting. Instead of just making him this kind of like scoundrel liar who was like, oh, I can do, I'm great in a fight, but then we'll, is actually full of it. Like, you know what I mean? There was never, yes. he was never full of it. He always was exactly who he was for, an, you know, he didn't have much of an arc in terms of character. In terms of the only arc he had was basically at the end with who uh, choosing, like, choosing like connection. But in terms of his, the way he approaches life, it, that is, he is. The, he it was great. It was a great choice. He freaking killed it. He was great.
1: New Rockstars uh, break, Easter Egg breakdown video of this uh, movie had some really great points about that fight scene where they're escaping the jail. Where it it almost displays that dichotomy you might run into in a campaign where one character is rolling nat twenties at what they're doing. Michelle Rodriguez is rolling nat twenties at fighting these guys, and the other character is rolling ones at trying to escape.
0: <laughs> um, where, that's very really funny. I love that point. See, that's like that insight that I think. Because that the great thing about that fight is that Michelle Rodriguez, who also like just crushes this movie, like yep. like so perfectly casted, and has like a straight up like the chemistry between the two of them is crackling, and not in like a I can't wait for these two to kiss, just in like a banter kind of way, like comedic kind of play off each other is was fantastic and i could have watched for seven more hours
1: i thought it was such a smart choice to make those the male and female lead of this movie a non-romantic pairing loved it oh my god and, I absolutely
0: loved it and, and making
1: it. and making their shared interest in the child and the family they've created and the the later decision that that forces for him at the end of the whole thing i thought what a just a a whip smart choice from a writer's perspective i think there's so much of writing that is that can be mechanical i've got to manipulate these pieces into these places and and sometimes when you're watching things you can see the strings you can see where people make convenient choices as writers to make those and this was a whole nice natural way around all that stuff and a nice natural way to force a more compelling female character she doesn't yeah. just want the guy.
0: I know. So unbelievably one, like, you know, you know, there's a version of this. I mean, I'm sure the studio a hundred percent gave the note that was like, why can't Chris Pine and her be together at the end? Like, why can't they kiss? Why can't after spoiler alert, we've already given you a spoiler. If you haven't seen the movie yet, the, a part of, of Chris Pine's character's motivation is he wants to get this specific uh, tablet that you can use once to bring somebody back from the dead, and he wants to bring back his dead wife. And at the very end, after the final battle, um, Michelle Rodriguez is killed and he chooses to use it on her because he reflects back and been like, My wife has been dead for a large portion of my child's life. And Holga, Michelle Rodriguez's character, has been that has been that mother to her. And that's who she really needs. She doesn't need like the person who I would want she needs the person who actually was there and he uses that. And it's really great. But I was just genuinely surprised at like how well, and I I mean, I've seen fast and furious movies, one of them. And I know that she's got like some, she's got some chops in terms of like quick dialogue, but I just thought their chemistry together was just fantastic. And they're hilarious. The scene, Holy cow. (laughs) I read somewhere that there was a, a cameo, a big cameo in this movie. Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so I was kind of looking for it, and I'm not saying the person who it ended up being to me wasn't like meriting enough of like a holy crap, this person's in this movie. It's Bradley Cooper, but the thing that is in it is so un what a hilariously fun bit.
1: To, yeah, that- to me, the to me the point of it was we got this guy, and look what we used him for. Yeah, the, so you know the, the 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 you he he should be the the lead of this movie and we're making him this
0: guy yeah you go ahead so he he john francis daly and patrick so there is that patrick there's a, uh, a a show that bradley cooper did on fox like right after he did um wedding crashers the anthony he did, bourdain adaptation yes, right based on the anthony bourdain called kitchen confidential and um john francis daly was on that so they're longtime friends so they asked him to do it. So basically, Michelle Rodriguez has been, you know, we learned that prior that she has a, an ex-husband, um, she comes from like a barbarian sort. And a barbarian, I don't mean like um, some derogatory term towards what some people would deem as an uncivilized. They literally are like fighters. And, uh, uh, she, and <laughs> she has to go back there to gets up to talk to dead people and another amazing sequence of scenes that the talking back to the dead every set piece in this just kills and but they um absolutely we learn that her ex-husband is this kind of small <laughs> but in like every way almost like a little gardener like she's this barbarian and he's this little gardener man and they do it all through force perspective but he's just like a straight player like already has another wife lined up because she's been gone for two
1: years another (laughs) barbarian wife
0: other barbarian he has he has a
1: type and then they reveal at the end that she has a type when she's presented with another sort of diminutive hobbit like man and gives him the eyeball Uh, yeah i think for for reference i think not that anybody listening to this didn't see the movie we're talking about but it'd be like a hobbit
0: yeah, no, that's, um, a, that's a great reference because they use that same uh, Lord of the Rings Force perspective to shoot it, which is like Bradley Cooper is closer to the camera. and No, oh, no, she's closer to the camera and he's farther away. And so it looks like they're smaller. He's smaller compared to her.
1: By the way, they could have done all of this. They, they could have just shot her out and been like, OK, who are we going to get for the little man character? And then figure out their celebrity cameo that they want, get him in there and shoot the whole thing six months later and composite him in. Like, I don't think they, I don't think Bradley Cooper was ever on set with anybody else.
0: Oh no, hundred percent. No, he came like after the fact. Yeah. They were like, Oh no, we're going to stunt cast this and we'll see who we can get, you know, uh, you know, down the road. But what a, what a wonderful little thing that was. Um, I want to now, I want to carve out, I don't know, 4 hours to talk about Hugh Grant. Hugh Absolutely. Grant. Hugh Grant is in this movie. I don't think at any point in any in any reasonable stretch of the imagination to think that A Hugh Grant has ever played Dungeons and Dragons. B Hugh Hugh Grant has any interest in any of this stuff. And C even bothered to read any other part of the script but good god he absolutely is just steals every freaking scene he's he he is so wonderful in this movie
1: i i had a thought that he was reached out to and you know not that he auditions for these things but he's the sides are in his hands he's meeting with the director and before he goes to speak he rolls his eyes like here we go and the director went exactly. And yes. and he and and then Hugh Grant goes, Oh, so it's I'm not okay, so it's gonna be fun and I get to be funny because it's yeah. funny, cool. And so he gets to he gets to, it seems from the outside, engage with and have fun with this thing that yeah, I agree with you. He probably went like, Oh, great. Well, I'm I'm fiddle faddled
0: a magician, you know? He Yeah, he, no, hundred <laughs> percent. And he definitely, gets to play a heavy. Which I have to say, if you've been following Hugh Grant's career lately. The dude has just been making he's had so many wonderful performances and is clearly just like having a blast I don't know what has changed but like if you go back to like Paddington 2 which is some it was at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes until some weirdo gave it like a bad review and it brought it down to 99 percent which is so Elvis and, Mitchell you know <laughs> <laughs> KCRW's Elvis Mitchell. Um, no, he, I don't know who did it, but he in that movie is unbelievable. He plays the bad guy in that movie. He should have been nominated for Academy Award. Fight me. Um, he's been in two different Guy Ritchie movies, playing like a Guy Ritchie gangster, talking like this. Hey, hey, what are you gonna do when you come? You know, I'm just doing Michael Caine, but whatever. I've got you. big glasses and a cravat. Yeah, yeah well,
1: he's
0: like of guy. Hey, Mickey what do you think is going to happen? Like just playing like a, just a total gang, British gangster. And then he's in this movie, just getting to yuck it up as much as possible. And just like, they're, they literally are like the note. Every scene is like, Hugh, i um, in this one. You are like literally chewing the scenery. Like you, there's, you have to make no wrong choices in this. And every choice he makes is fantastic.
1: I, I, Tom Sharpling uh, of The Best Show brought up a story that I've I've heard shades of before that uh, Alec Guinness is like, you know, by the time 1976 rolls around, he's shooting Star Wars. He's a venerable, sto- staid actor. He's an institution and he does Star Wars. And all of a sudden, 15 year olds are coming up to him in airports and saying, I've seen your movie a hundred times. You're, the, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that... He was known to sit people down and say, "You need to find something to do with your life." You need-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Fans are coming up and like He's just being like, "Let me tell you why." It's like that old sketch from SNL in the '80s when Shatner hosted, and they put Shatner at like a Trekkie convention. He told everyone to get a life.
1: Yes, it, it exactly that is one hundred percent what was happening. And the thing is, I think Hugh Grant in this movie looks at alec guinness and goes
0: hey man lighten up it's totally oh my god oh my god yeah like the blueprint that he sets out is like okay i'm the bad guy oh so i can have like as much fun as i want because i'm the bad guy and i can be like the way so he's all we know about him in the kind of preamble to which is basically this. This whole movie opens on we meet Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. They are in prison. They are set for what is like a parole hearing, and there's somebody not there who's they keep referencing. It's this really funny bit. It's Jonathan the Cokra. And the fact that name that his name is Jarnatha is Jarnath- Jonathan is so funny to me because it's almost close to Jonathan, and that's a really I like that someone's being like my character's name is not. I is Jonathan, and they're like, Jonathan, it's basically you. No, it's not, it's Jonathan. Anyway, uh, we we see that like he they had this crew prior to them being arrested and ending up in prison, and Hugh Grant was on that crew. We and then somehow the next time we see him, he has become lord of the whole uh land, <laughs> and it's all via uh, he said he claims to be a con artist, but then he just every scene is, is doing something funny or with every little bit, he's playing it up as not like a fop, but as I also say, he's almost playing himself to an extent. It's so like, he's just like a gadavant. you know what it, I mean? It,
1: it's fun to split your villainy in half like that, where you have the one self-serving double dealer guy who gets to be funny and have emotional reactions because they're backed up by the stoic, personalityless, all-powerful being behind them, and uh, just actually another kind of writing thing about his character—the way they break down the actual threat to the little girl. It turns out that Hugh Grant's character is keeping her and has convinced her that that he, her, her father has abandoned her and that he should take take care of her when he assures Chris Pine that he's taking good care of the girl, like the way that they sort of let you, the audience know, Oh, it's not going to be like this. She's fine. But they give you then a little more lens into him where he's like, I, I love being able to influence somebody like that and shape them. It's like being a God. I i was like, Whoa, Hey, that's a really cool thing to do with your character. They give yeah. us this, that little, that little hint from which we can infer volumes.
0: Yeah, I like there's you're right, there's another piece of this, especially in this fantasy space where she's under us, the daughter's under a spell, or he she's actually not okay, or whatever. Like, but no, they went the like kind of psychological gameplay that he did with her, which was to basically kind of restructure the story of her dad's why the dad disappeared, why Chris Pine disappeared and i thought that was great then yeah that whole line being a dad is almost like being a god because i am a dad and i am a god so when i feel like i feel <laughs> like that's i felt seen i felt seen for the first time in in uh, the fandom space
1: yeah uh, kenny i will say that that i knew you before and after you had a child and to me at least it, you
0: you did seem far more godlike after uh, becoming a yeah. father yeah. And that's, first of all, if any true dad, Hugh Grant, I don't think has any kids that he knows of. I'm sure he's fathered some illegitimate kids. Um, I'm sure that's probably very true, but yes, um, if you would, know, I mean, allegedly, being a, god, being a god is the furthest thing I am from having a kid. If anything, it makes you more mortal than anything else. <laughs> it's a constant reminder that you will die at some point. Because your kid's supposed to outlive you, anyway. Keeping it light and fun and airy and breezy, <laughs> just like here. our favorite movie Dungeons and Dragons. Just like okay. our favorite movie Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I didn't put this on here, but I do want to talk a little bit about Reggae Jean Page, whatever that's his name, right? I'm I think so. Yeah, Reggae Jean. So this guy. You know, left the first season of After Bridgerton, the show that made him, which is, I get it. Like, it's a one, get it, and literally get in and get out. Heyo, Um And then he's not he's not in the second season. His the woman who plays his wife, and now they've set up that the show is going to be like a different person's love story each year. Second season's quite good. Not as much fucking on desks, pardon my French, as the first season. <laughs> The first first season was like if two people were in a room and there was a desk, they were going to have sex on it by the end of the scene. Anyway, this was his kind of first thing post-Bridgerton that wasn't like an appearance or a thing here or there. This was like his first kind of movie star role. How do we think he did? Should he go back to TV? Is he a a movie star? What do we think about him?
1: I think he – it it remains to be seen. This is a sort of a – I think they they purposefully sort of controverted expectation about this type of role in these stories. Um, he seemed to be able to handle just fine everything they threw at him. Fought well, seemed noble and heroic. I, I I enjoyed his performance. I'd I'd watch him again. But it's he also carried this specific thing off very well. And I I'm like I sure,
0: you know yeah, I, I didn't I think- watch any of
1: Bridgerton, so I don't know I don't know him.
0: This was a good kind of soft launch for him. Like the one thing I did say is that which I found I found again this movie at at every turn had the opportunity to do kind of like what you would expect it would do in these types of stories and like his character shows up and then leaves. And there is so many points during the final fight where there were moments where Everyone who is in the fight, we have the druid girl, who by the way, owl bear. I mean, she cool, can right? shape shift, and one of the things she could shape into was an owl polar bear, and it's amazing. We have Simon, the sorcerer, they're all there, and it they're all kind of stuck in this time loop or time thing that they not a loop, it's like a freeze the 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 witch can freeze time. And at that point, like in a lot of these movies, that's where he would have come, and that's where Renee, whatever Page, Reggae Reggae Jean Page, that's where he would have shown up to, you know, just like because he had said, "I'm I'm done, go on your way," and that's when he shows up and saves everybody. You know what I mean? Like, there's that window there, and they don't do it. They the nope. team figures out a way to do it on their own. And I was like, that was really fun and smart because then if there's another one. If you want to have him there, you can. If you don't, you don't. Like he's he he wasn't like a full fledged member of the team because he wasn't there at the end. But they could always use him for another campaign because sometimes you need specific characters to do specific things.
1: In in another kind of nod to the real world relationship people have with this, it was brought up in the new Rockstars video too. It, there there is this phenomenon where. You can have people pop into your campaign if there's like a friend who's just there for one night and he's going to not be, you know, they, there is a way to facilitate these interactions. And it's just one more example of playing with that world. You know, like the, the owl bear is a thing. It's a classic creature you might encounter in a campaign as is a gelatinous cube, as is a- Yes, mimic. I
0: love, that was something I knew. The gelatinous cube was something I knew from, was a thing, yeah.
1: And, and I think that, it's it, it. They didn't. They didn't build this thing backwards. They didn't start out with Guga and then come up with a story around it. They came up with the story, I think, because they were firm in the knowledge that the lore was there to back them up. That they could just sprinkle in arakocras and and snake people and whatever you know, tieflings. Um, Is because there an, they, overweight, an overweight
0: dragon in lore? I don't know Our that favorite- that's. That, that bit bit dragon is in lore. lore.
1: I think that dragon is in lore, but I don't know that the overweight thing is part of it.
0: That bit where it was like too big and just was like sliding down things. And that was just what a choice. I love that. Oh, dragons are always so lean and mean. There's got, they're not all going to be so lean and mean. And sometimes they get too full. By the way, uh, if you want to still make
1: fat jokes, have a fake fictional animal character be fat and weird and you can make fat jokes. They made a total yeah. fat joke about. I know (laughs) the dragon. Oh, and actually uh, another sort of semi-progressive thing and going back to the story with the daughter, this, you know, another fantasy trope is character development or story development being centered in female trauma, which this, you know, except for the murder of the mother, which is, you know, that that is a thing that happens in stories. You know, basically nobody got raped. And, and I yeah, think that which, that's, is, that, which that's, is what would
0: have happened in the game the game of Thrones version of this that would have hundred percent happened
1: and and the drawing back too that this represents and so does like ring of rings of power and willow as well to say hey fantasy doesn't all have to be incest and eye gouging it, it can be yeah. rollicking adventure and and, and about be- other things
0: it doesn't have to be motivated. Well, it's still there at its core. This is all motivated by love, but it's not romantic love. It's love for my daughter. Like it's, it's familial and that's what it's really about. And that's why we, again, I love the, what happened with uh, Rodriguez's and Pines relationship. Well done. Alex, is this star
1: Trek? Is this star Trek or star Wars? This is star Wars for sure. I mean, hitting the, Hitting the templates, hitting the the tropes, uh, in the same having the same kind of relationship to those things that Star Wars does is what makes this a success.
0: You could put a couple ships in this and take them off horses and put them in a ship and call this Star Wars and make no changes to it and it would work. It, this is so Star Wars; it's unbelievable. You just one we're one millennium Falcon away from a Star War. That, of course, there we are. Uh, winners and losers. We, I mean, obviously the loser is obvious. But um, who's your big winner of the, this movie, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves? Chris Pine. I think that he,
1: he's in. A, he, this should catapult him to a different point in his career. Not that he needs uh, the boost because he's doing just fine, but. I think that there are a lot of people that are going to look at him a lot differently and start writing for him a lot differently. Now he he's capable of, of, of shouldering
0: so much more. This is a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool type thing for him where it's like, Oh, he can like, we already knew he could do this in a supporting role, but Oh, he can do this and lead the movie. Okay, great. Now we know what to, we're going to, we're going to move that piece and we're going to let him really start doing stuff, which I agree. My, my winner, go ahead. I
1: mean, tonally, I think when I was talking about his performance earlier too, I, I genuinely wanted to, you're right in the career sense of the com- comparison to Ryan Reynolds, but Deadpool is the snarky character that I'm talking about. The one who, you know, the joke's kind of on you. You're a piece of shit. And yeah, of course. No,
0: no, it doesn't. I, the comp to character doesn't fit. But I just think in yeah, terms of like I, unlocking I, I, the success.
1: I Yeah, and then I, I more thought of it as interesting, the comparison that that existed there in my own head anyway. Um,
0: but that's yeah, fine. that's my that's winner, my big winner. I, Chris Pine is a big winner too. I do still think just Hugh Grant. I just think he is just such the MVP and is just like every single scene he's in, he's so wonderful. I just was – I wanted – frankly, the only thing that sucked was that he wasn't in it more. Which we, but he didn't die, so we can get more of him. So here we go.
1: I think he'll be he'll be reggae Jean's assistant in the next one.
0: <laughs> Let's go. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of water in this movie. Not, a, I, was there water in this movie? Um, they're loading all the treasure onto a
1: boat that they have to turn around oh, that's right. to go At the face end. the evil. And you could,
0: you know, yes, you there was. There's another boat that exists in fandom that would have really made it much easier for you to turn that boat around and get back and save everybody, which they did do. But still. I mean, Sam Wilson's shrimp and boat would have just boated laps around that other boat. It's the most
1: it's the most desired ship since the good ship Lollipop. And frankly, I'm (laughs) I just get angrier and angrier with each passing week that we don't get to spend more time with our favorite friend.
0: Day one boat stand kings kings the house kings kangs um. Alex, do we have another ad read from uh, that uh, from Rick Ru- Rick uh, Caruso?
1: It's yeah, another another the new attractions and improved experiences at the Grove, where Rick Caruso will always be mayor. We have Buxton's fine goods for foreigners. Uh, if you've got a European accent, we've got the tacky clothing you crave. Just three hundred steps from where you get off one of those buses by the cost plus. Men's capris are always BOGO at Buxton's <laughs> fine goods for foreigners at the Grove where Rick Caruso is always mayor.
0: <laughs> oh my God. You just, you just described 75% of the people shopping <laughs> at the Grove.
1: <laughs> they know they they know they're a crowd.
0: Which if you don't live in LA, look it up. Um, it's game time, Alex. Are you ready to play a game? Play me daddy. I will play you. This game is called, Q's about Q. A lot has happened this week, and when things get weird, there's usually someone behind it. That person is usually the character of Q from Star Trek The Next Generation. So that's why we're going to play the game Q's about Q. The game is simple. It's very simple, actually. I'm going to read a quote, and you're going to tell me if the quote was said by that rapscallion Q from Star Trek The Next Generation, or... Is it a headline from the newspaper owned by key witness in the New York State's case against Donald Trump, a man whose name is comically David Pecker? His magazine, of course, is the National Enquirer. So I'm going to read you and you have to tell me whether it's a quote from Q or a headline from the National Enquirer, which was formerly owned by a man named David Pecker, who is a real person testifying in the case against Donald Trump, giving people money who he had sex with. Are you ready to go?
1: Hit me. Hit me with this. In the pecker.
0: May whatever God you believe in have mercy on your soul. Court adjourned. That's Q. That is Q from Star Trek The Next Generation. Ready for number two?
1: Hit me with number two.
0: As the lawnmower. I love that you're muting when the lawnmower is in the background. Um, Here we go. Is this Q or from the National Enquirer? Hillary Clinton lesbian lovers named in secret emails.
1: I think that's a headline from the National Enquirer.
0: That is from the Enquirer. Yes, again, owned by David Pecker. The Inquirer learned the list of Hillary's lesbian lovers include a beauty in her early 30s who has often traveled with Hillary, a popular TV and movie star, the daughter of a top government official, and a stunning model who got a career boost after allegedly sleeping with Hillary. Hillary made the huge mistake of mixing public and private messages while using her personalized email server before risking a massive scandal by refusing to make the documents public. That's clearly why she went to the extraordinary step of deleting everything, the high-ranking source told the Inquirer. A news Paper owned by David Pecker. Are you ready for number three? Yes, I am. If you can't take a little bloody nose, maybe you ought to go back home and crawl under your bed. It's not safe out here. It's wondrous with treasures to satiate desires, both subtle and gross, but it's not for the timid. Is that Q or from the National Enquirer?
1: <laughs> I think that's from Q.
0: That is. That is Q. Not confused with Q and on. Are you ready for the next one? Hit me. I married the perfect female animal.
1: Uh, is that something David Pecker said?
0: No, but that is from the National Enquirer, which is again owned by David Pecker, former CEO. And this was supposedly said by the husband of Sophia Loren, talking about Sophia Loren in a magazine that again was owned by a man named David Pecker. Are you ready for the next one?
1: You know, if my last name was Pecker, I'd be pointing fingers at everybody else and, 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 uh, you know, dumping tea on them too. Let's hit, let's go.
0: Here we go. I got, I have 10 minutes. I've actually had like five minutes. Here we go. Uh, Jeb Bush snorted cocaine on night. His dad became president. Uh, that
1: was Q in the Andromeda paradox. Uh, no, so it's actually
0: from, the, actually from the national Enquirer again on by David. Key witness in the case against Donald Trump, because they funneled money to pay for him to pay off women. He published this story about. Which former White House aide aide Roger Stone made the stunning claim in a bombshell new book that rips the lid off the Republican presidential candidate's shocking secret life. Roger Stone, who was also sentenced to jail, not for this case, but for something else, but was then given a pardon by Donald Trump. And that dust showing the National Enquirer has been in bed with Donald Trump for quite some time. Are you ready for the final, final question?
1: I am, and we must acknowledge that a federal pardon from the president is also an acknowledgment of guilt of the crime you were pardoned for.
0: Hey, as 100% true. You ready for this next one? This is the last one. Let's let's do it. Gordon Ramsay sex dwarf eaten by a (laughs) – sorry. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. I just want to say this is a this is a headline, and I do not want to. Um, I first want to give big shout outs to little people. This is the headline: Gordon Ramsay sex dwarf eaten by a badger.
1: Hmm. That's uh, a that's, that's the start. That's the start of my favorite cheerleading chant: this is "Gordon Ramsay sex dwarf eaten by a badger. We're gonna knock you into your tadger, you know, something like that." Uh, I I think that that's that's from the Daily Inquirer.
0: It's not. It's actually from the Weekly World News report because that's, like, that's oh, hard. they're somehow ding, not affiliated. It. They're somehow not affiliated, but I read that, and that's where all of this came from. And that was cues by cues <laughs> about Q, and we were it. actually more talking about cues about Q and on. Uh, Alex, you got one more ad read from Rick Caruso, unfortunately.
1: Uh, the Grove, where Rick Caruso will always be mayor in their new experiences and attractions, they're introducing the Airport Cannon. Get back fast. Our high powered, state of the art man cannon can fire you at twice the speed of sound directly into the Tom Bradley Terminal at LAX. So come to the Grove, where Rick Caruso, Uncle Ricky, will always be mayor.
0: <laughs> Uncle Ricky! Oh man, it'll always be mayor there. Uh, Alex, we recommend everything on Hoopla, Hoopla Digital. You can get you can read all kinds of fun stuff on your your all of your devices. If you just have a library card, do you have a recommendation for the week?
1: Uh, yes, it's one of my favorite comic book stories of all time. I pass it along to Kenny this week. It's the Golden Age, uh, written by James Robinson, pencils by Paul Smith. It is one of my all-time favorite comic book stories. It features the Justice Society of America, and not in a modern take or modern style fable. It's it's in it, it's not in continuity. It's an Elseworlds tale. It's uh, it's very intriguing. Go grab it.
0: Uh, that's mine too, because you sent this to me and I started reading it and I like it a lot. It's very fun. I recommend that a lot. It is a very fun one to do. Alex, before we go, what did your dogs think of Dungeons and Dragons on Among Thieves?
1: Well, I, you know, they were, they, I was sought in a movie theater. They of course weren't allowed to come with me, but when I came home, they were really, really upset because they could smell the dragon on me.
0: <laughs> dogs love dragons. Dogs love a dragon. Uh, but except when you're cheating on them with dragons, I do not care for that very much.
1: Mm-mm. No, no, they no. Do not.
0: Um, I'm still in Palm Springs, so I haven't been able to see my dog. So I have no idea. I'm going to assume that she was in the bedroom because I saw it at 9.30 last night. I'm going to assume that she was in the bedroom already asleep. So she uh, has no idea what's going on. One of these days, we'll get her to find something that, of mine that she will actually um, partake in, but we just haven't found it yet. Um, Alex, we did it. We successfully you're right you're
1: damn right we did it
0: damn right we did it um where can the folks find you
1: duke underscore midnight m-i-d-n-i-t-e uh google that there's going to be something up there soon i'm going to start promoting this the show i've decided i'm going to start to actually promote the show
0: Here we go, baby. Kenny G. Stevenson on Twitch, TikTok, Letterboxd. If you're in uh, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, the greater Coachella Valley, I am still, this is the last weekend. You can see me in the play Hand to God. I play Pastor Greg, and it is R-rated. Do not bring your kids. Um, That's all I got. That's Uh, all Go see Kenny in the play.
1: Sure. I'm doing a play, guys.
0: I'm doing a play. We'll be back next week. Talk more Mandalorian. I'm sure – I don't know who's going to be in the next episode if you had Lizzo in episode six or, yeah, seven and eight. I don't know where you go from there, but we'll find out next week.
1: It's going to be Sly from Sly and the Family Stone.
0: Let's go. Alex, love you, buddy. You're great. Love you too, bud. Let's get out of here. Bye. Oh, to the moon.
1: Yeah.